when you said you were recording, I automatically folded my hands for some reason. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, like I folded my hands. I don't know why. Yeah, but we can't even see your hands. <laughs> I know, but I just it was just like I'm ready. <laughs> is that is that something from childhood or something? You think? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, because yeah, um, no, I remember like a very very early school, probably Korea. You know, it's like when you stand attention, you kind of like either fold your yeah. hands or do something. Yeah, right? that's probably what it is. Just like it just kicks in. It's like okay. Yeah. Put on your present presentation form or be presentable or something yeah or, or yeah or something i don't know yeah it, it's kind of funny how these uh early childhood trainings kind of stay with you for sure uh, for a very long time oh yeah. yeah yeah and um but anyway i think we're gonna be kind of going into that a little bit about because i think um i i reached out to you because i wanted to talk to you about family and parenting yeah. and, and all that stuff because you and i actually had a conversation about that some time ago you yeah. were talking about your kids and i actually suggested hey i think you should do like a podcast or write a book or something yeah and here we are talking about it on my podcast <laughs> which is cool by the way I, and i had a question like why what 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 was the inspiration for the name oh right yes so um so beer cake it's an actual thing it's an actual cake Oh, and it's okay. the first cake that I learned how to make. Oh. And, uh, and it was a recipe that was handed down to us from our grandmother. Um, oh. But that's not how I remember it. So it's really funny. And so it's just a funny anecdote kind of thing. And um, so when I was, uh, you know, researching podcast names, you know, there's so many podcasts out there now. Everyone's doing a podcast. And so I see. Sure, sure, sure. So trying to come up with a unique name. All right. Gotcha. Uh, was kind of difficult. My first choice was something like jamming with JJ. You know? uh, right, right. Sure. Uh, but somebody already had that. It, yeah. I don't think it was a podcast necessarily, but somebody had a website and uh, and maybe a YouTube channel and they had a whole bunch of things. And it was like musical jamming sessions. Um, which which would have been fine um because you know i wanted to have a regular episode like maybe once a month uh, with a musical guest and you know and all that only yeah. because of my own affinity to music um mm. but uh, but anyway so one day i was thinking like okay what's something that's uniquely me that's part mm. of my life in some way um, and, um, and one day I was just thinking, randomly thinking about the beer cake that, you know, we all used to make, uh, we don't really make it so much anymore. Since I started the podcast, I've been making some mm, <laughs> and, nice. and, and handing it out to guests. So sorry. <laughs> March has been like a weird month for me for some reason, like, uh, things have been just creeping up and, and I'm like. Like the like me not sending you a proper follow up email, you know. <laughs> I don't know. It's been weird. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's springtime. Like the weather changes. I mean, I'm very sensitive to weather change. Uh, so like, as soon as I mean, I know it in my body that the weather is changing first before I hear it on the news. Like, or if I don't hear it, you know, if I'm not paying attention to the weather report or whatnot, and like, you know, 
the wind starts blowing and then my body just kind of like goes, okay, it's time to wake up or it's time to go to sleep. You know, it's just like different things. And um, yeah, it's is, weird. Is that on a conscious level? Do you notice it on a conscious level or is it just um, completely? I'm, I think I'm becoming more aware of it. Like I, I actually make myself more aware of it just so that I can prepare myself, I guess. Mm -hmm. You know, because I think before it would just catch me by surprise and throw me off. And then I wonder, like, what's going on, you know? And then I realized, wait a minute, the weather's changed. And, you know, I mean, um, you know, it, like, um, spiritually speaking, the Bible speaks about the fact that we are creatures, right? And yeah. we we have the connection with, with nature and creation. And so when it changes, our body changes, you know, it responds differently. So that's kind of how... Um, I, I, I understand that it can, it really does happen, you know, and yeah. 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 So, so just finishing out, uh, my beer cake story. So, so, uh, in reality, that's what happened. So our, our grandmother started making beer cake. Nobody seems to know exactly where she got the recipe or she made it up. Um, and you know, and then taught it to the rest of us and we started making it. But the way I remember it yeah. is that I learned it from my aunt. Ah. Um, so my grandmother's, uh, daughter, who's my father's sister, um, and, and, that the backstory is that my aunt went to a restaurant, uh, ordered this cake that turned out to be beer cake. She liked it so much. She asked for the recipe, brought it home and started making it and taught the rest of us. Oh. Now, for some reason, like I, I, I know that story, like I heard it. You know, like it actually happened. But when I tell this story to my sisters and my cousins, my aunts, you know, children, uh, no one, not a single person remembers any bit of it. <laughs> so so it's this weird thing, like either I dreamt it, made it up or my aunt told it just to me and no one else. <laughs> wow. That's well, a mystery. The, yeah, the third option is probably the least likely. Uh. <laughs> But if I made it up, I'm I'm wondering like, why would I make up something like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, to be honest, um, it's like, you know, it's like when my father passed away, right? Mm. You know, um, there were people telling me things about him, or that, and the experiences they had with him, that obviously I never knew about. You know, yeah. like there there are things that you know so you know, it's, it's, it's really believable, to be honest, that it would be a, a kind of a unique story that, you know, you shared with you because yeah, again, there's, I it, don't know. <laughs> no, it's just like, I, I mean, I think it's believable because like I said, we, we have different, even though we could be family or whatever else, it's yeah, not, yeah. you know, we, we don't exhaustively share all our stories. Yeah. That is interesting how, yeah, that um, I was talking to one of my earlier guests uh, was a comedian and she commented that uh, some of her closest friends would tell her like, you know, um, I know more about you from your comedy bits than than just talking to you. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. people yeah. who have sort of either um, a public persona or on stage presence or, or something right. like that. It, it, it that does become a vehicle for us to share parts of our lives that we don't normally think about disclosing yeah. to people around us. For sure, for sure. 
Yeah, and whenever my mom comes around and she's actually telling, talking to my wife or talking to um, somebody who, who's, who, whoever it is, not me, but she's talking to them, I'm, I'm kind of listening in and I'm hearing new stories or about me or about my dad or, you know, something like that, something I've never heard before, you know. Yeah. So. Have, have you thought about documenting some of them? Yeah, you know, um, I actually am. Um, in fact, I just this week, I suggested to my uh, senior pastor that we should um, systematically record um, these uh, faith stories of a lot of our older members mm -hmm. and then archive them, you know, for, for, you know, for the next generation or for anyone who would be interested in like listening like to like video yeah like video like it would be like yeah. a video interview you know mm -hmm. um i think it's remarkable because the technology just in the way we are able to i mean connect like this as well as record you know things of of loved ones yeah you know like i um i i actually didn't realize it but um i actually had a, a google phone number which I gave to my dad. And for some reason, when he called me, he only called my Google phone number. And, um, and he left all these messages. Ah. Yeah, that I was that I was like, so thankful, like I was, I was just switching over my number to a New York number. And I saw all these messages on there. And I started listening to them. And I'm like, oh, you know, like, they're so precious, he because he would just say things. Ah. there and 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 his voice is all recorded so i downloaded all of them to make sure i kept them and i was like this is so cool like you know to have you know yeah um hey as, as i think today's topic is going to be one where i'm going to cry a lot <laughs> yeah, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> just, i might too but i don't know just, just as you were telling to. me that story i'm like tearing up <laughs> yeah. no i mean it's 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 it was i was a very moving moment you know and i was listening to his voice and the things he was saying and you know the the quirky way he he referred to himself he would always start out hey Iggy, this is your old man you know <laughs> and, 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 then, and then sometimes you go uh, he you know i think one of the things that i feel very honored by was he would sometimes call me his pastor you know? oh nice hello my pastor you know and i just be like oh. so yeah these were very um very precious recordings um so just just to put into context for the listeners so your father actually passed away in 2020 um Sorry. not covid related though right yeah. no no i mean indirectly because he was he was having heart issues but he was afraid to go into the hospital mm. you know because oh, of, because of you know he was like you know, he was really like, he needed to go in, but he didn't want to because he was just like, if I go in, he's, his thinking was, I'm never coming out, you know? Oh, wow. Which is probably true. I mean, at that time, I mean, nobody, after you go in, nobody was able to go inside. No one was able to, you know, see him and everything. So it was a real blessing, you know? I mean, like the one thing that I think, you know, my mom is actually doing very well right now. Mm. Like, you know, she's coming out of the deep sorrow of, us and this disorientation in terms of like 
what is my life now kind of thing, which revolved around my dad. And then she, but the thing that I think that helped her a lot through that, that last year and so forth was that we would just constantly be like talking about how thankful we are for, you know, that, that as, if my father had to pass that and in the way he did was such a blessing was we were just so thankful we're just thanking all the time uh you know um so the way he did so if you want to i don't understand exactly yeah sure sure so it was june 1st mm. and um you know like um it was weird because the night before i had i i i you know like you, you talk about this like link you have with people you love right and and all night long it was like just the hardest thing for me to go to sleep you know and and it was i remember struggling really hard that night hmm. and then like i finally go to sleep and and my mom calls me at like six in the morning and she's like your dad's not doing well you know um uh you know you should come over and um we need to we had he he also had an issue with like making sure that whatever was going to happen at the hospital would not um, burden uh, us financially. So he, he, he wanted us to wait until we could sign up for Medicaid before mm -hmm. um, he would go into the hospital. So she, she tells me, okay, your father's not doing well. Um, can you go and can you, can you come by and we, we need to go to the Medicaid office, get him signed up so that we can take him into the hospital. Um, yeah, just a quick note. I think you could do that retroactively too, because my father right. passed away suddenly, so we mm. didn't have time to do any of that, and so we yeah. had to do it retroactively. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, he's they they they've always been not too wise about things like that, <laughs> you know. And so, so then, I mean, obviously it was COVID anyway. But the fact was, we we went in. We, I mean, I I so so I'm like at first when I hear her voice when she calls me. And she, you know, she has this voice, really like young, uh, you know, it's like it's almost like she's dying herself. Yeah. And I know something's wrong. Yeah. Right? Really, yeah. I'm on alert. Like something's happening. This was this was her voice when she called me to tell me my father first had a stroke or you know things like that. Mm. So I'm immediately on alert, and she's like, "Okay, so yeah, um, you should come in, um, but um, don't come now," she said. <laughs> You know, come at come at like nine o'clock, and then she goes and and have breakfast. And I was like, okay, it's like okay, my it's dad's like doing well, but she doesn't seem so urgent. And I go to the apartment, and I'm like walking in, and I'm I'm dreading what I'm gonna find. Right, I'm dreading the scene. You know, I walk in, my dad's sitting up on the couch, he's smiling at me, you know, and. Know, and he's saying you know uh yeah you know I, I he's telling me like he had a terrible night he couldn't sleep and that every time he lied down his you know his heart would tighten up or his throat would tighten up and stuff like that and i was like oh boy and so you know i mean i was just very wary and like like what is going on here and my mom's like <sighs> you know she has this like it's almost like can't turn off this instinct to feed your children yeah 
So she, her concern, even at that moment, I mean, while my dad is like struggling and everything else is to make sure I get eat, I eat before we go out. So she's setting up the table. He's like, come and eat. And I'm like, okay, I just don't, I can't even really reread the situation well. And then my dad, he says something to me, he says, to me, he says, don't worry, I'm not going to die today. Mm. He said to me. And so I go down, I, I sit and I'm eating and he's talking to me again. He, he actually gets up. He, he walks towards me. He gives me like the information I need, et cetera. And then, you know, um, my mom and I left to go and do this Medicaid thing. And then, you know, like before I left, we prayed for him. And, um, and, and on the way back, um, I, I, it was like, I think on the way back home, um, uh, H Mart was there and, and I was like, do you need anything from H Mart? And so we stopped in just for a few minutes, like 10 minutes or so. She, she's a quick shopper and we just picked up a few things. And um, when we got back, I walk in and he looked like he like he looks like at any time I walk in and see him see him in this place. He was in his favorite position uh, in the living room in in the favorite like like with the TV on, with his coffee next to him, everything like that. But I look at him and you know it looks like he's sleeping. But I go over and and he had passed. Hmm. And you know I mean it was just like. You know, it's really, um, I think one of the, the things that if I were to, if I, if I say bug me about that morning is, you know, his body was still warm. And if I had the mindset to like maybe even do, you know, um, CPR, you know, I, I was thinking maybe he would have lived. Mm. You know, and that, and that kind of haunts me a bit sometimes. Think about that. And, and, but all I could do was like, I was just shaking him. And it was just, um, yeah. So anyway, um, then uh, the whole process of, you know, um, finding out what to do. I've never, you know, never had anything like this happen for ourselves. And so the process of um, calling the police, letting them come with uh, paramedics, declare, you know, him deceased, make sure that there's no foul play, et cetera, things like that, and call the funeral home. <clears throat> and, um, and as per his wishes, we had him cremated. Um, but again, it was just like after the shock of everything and after we... The funeral and everything else was still so full of grace because we actually we actually got to see his body like like at the funeral home they had actually um, the funeral they did a great job just preparing him and 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 we went there and my mom was like he looks so good you know he looks so uh, at peace and and happy and handsome and she just remembers that like how good he looked. And that was a real big comfort to her. And we had a little bit of a service there. And um, 
and then we had a, another service at the church. So yeah, that's um that's how he he passed and um but you know, we keep talking about it like even if I had revived him somehow and then had the emergency, you know, services come um there were all kinds of terrible scenarios. All we could see was just bad things happen. Yeah. Like that he would just basically be taken away but he had been become so weak and everything else that even if they he would have been on maybe life support or something you know what i mean and then which he loathed he made a sign like a dnr r like you know order like he made a sign it my yeah. brother because he he you know one of the things he did later in his life was he used to translate for people at the hospital oh yeah and so he's seen he what people this, go through yeah, he saw that. He saw that, and he just came home. And he's just like, never, ever let me, you know, if I'm that gone, let me go. Don't try to like keep me alive. That's not living. You know, he absolutely would have hated it. You know, and we talked about a lot of different scenarios, like that he could have recovered, mm -hmm. but then he would have been had to put it put in a uh, be put in um, like a nursing home because of how yeah. weak he would have been to you know and so forth, and then. How like you know we were saying things like he would have absolutely hated being in this being in the nursing home. Oh yeah, and to the degree that he would complain or fight with the people all the time, which would then which would then make them respond with drugging him up. Yes, you yes. know, and and basically like straightjacketing him inside, you know, in his mind, and which was like I thought of that, and I was like, that's hell. That's hell for my dad, you know, and and so, you know, and also as people of faith, you know, we, it was um, it was something um, we had to, to to believe and trust, you know, and let him go. So, um, yeah, it was all grace. We 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 were thanking God every single time we got together. Mom and I. Yeah, um, sorry, I'm. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna take a break <laughs> so I can like wash my face or something. I can't see right now. <laughs> well, sorry, no, no, it's fine. I'm gonna pause the recording and I'll be right back. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> what were your parents? Because I know your parents as deacons in the church. I don't know them as parents, yeah. you know. Yeah. And um, so uh, I'd be curious as to what kind of parents they were and what what your childhood was like. Well, you know, to be honest, um, my childhood was pretty, I would say it was pretty um, turbulent. Mm. Um, my dad, um, my dad was actually not a good father in terms of the fathering aspect. You know, um, he would, uh, unfortunately, he would go from um being over like almost like over disciplining to the point of like where it's fueled more by his own rage and frustration you know where um you know he he and and to just give it some kind of context you know he did not grow up with a father either his my grandfather passed early and so he grew up just being kind of like Oh, and, and here's the other thing. 
So my father was the the eighth child, no, the ninth child. Okay, my grandma had nine children. Was he the youngest? Yeah, yeah, he was the ninth child, right? And he was the first surviving son. Oh wow! So number eight was a son, my uncle, who uh, died when he was an infant. And so he had seven older sisters, and then you know this uncle finally they have a son and he passes, and then my dad was born. So if you can imagine, yeah, starting with my grandma and my uh, and the seven sisters, basically they were like first and foremost like bodyguards, like they just like basically protected him in every sort of way. He grew up a prince, mm-hmm. basically, and. And and with prince like pride, if you will, you know, um, he was he was gifted. He was he had he was brilliant, but um, nothing to kind of I think temper his gifts, mm. you know, and give him a, a kind of a a more focused way to apply his gifts. So it was like he was like a he was like this wild energy ball of energy that just. It went in all different directions, you know, a wild child, uh, you know. So when it came to uh, parenting, he had no clue. Mm-hmm. You know, he really didn't. Um, he, if there was any kind of, I think, anything that I would say was very helpful as far as his parenting was concerned, it was that he at least taught m- m- me, I'm not sure about my brother, but at least it should have taught me to, to think to think a little outside the box on things. Uh-huh. You know, not just follow what everyone else says things are. Yeah, just a quick note, you and your brother are actually quite different, I think. Right. Yeah. Personality wise and interest wise, like so many right. ways. Yeah, we are very different. Yeah. But as far as I'm concerned, I, I was I learned to kind of have more of a like oh you look at it that way well let me look at it this way kind of a thing uh-huh so um, i think i've always found that to be something particular to my either my nature personality or following my dad's example mm-hmm. um but uh but my childhood was a rough one i mean you know he 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 really couldn't hold down a job because he just you know he was always in in he was just always in the wrong kind of like, you know, for what he can do and what he's able to do, every job would be frustrating to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so it, it, that my mom was just the one who really did provide the consistency and, you know, um, support and everything else. And then when it came to discipline, you know, he just didn't know how. He just basically, like I said, either raged or he would have like a pity party, to be honest. Like he would sit there and just go, I know I've not been a good father. And, you know, and and to be honest, like when he would say things like that, I almost preferred the beating. Yeah. 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 I just I just did not want him to to be doing that. And it made me sick to my stomach. and, and, And I was just like, I just, you know, that was what I hated most. Uh, you know, when he would, he would do that. So um, he struggled a bit, you know, and, and I think 
it's very interesting because I found myself and when he passed, I had this incredible feeling of like love and devotion and connectedness. And, you know, I, I, it was interesting because um, after he passed, one of my lifelong friends from the neighborhood, his name is Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Rivera. So he, um, you know, I was hanging out with him and he was comforting me and everything else. And he broke out these albums, pictures that he had taken when, when we were younger. And in and amongst the pictures was a picture of my dad when he was like, I think he was must, must have been in his like 40s or something. And I looked at that picture and I went, oh, you know what? I didn't like him in this when he was like this. You know, and I, I, it was interesting how I'd forgotten. Well, that when you say like this, what do you mean? Like he, he was, he was a chain smoker. Okay. Um, he was just, you know, again, uh, he was, this was before he actually came to faith and in Christ and he was a different person. He was just like, you know, really, really, I always found him very self selfish and self-absorbed. Um, in all honesty, you know, the, the one thing that stood out for me was one time, I mean, this, he was, he was, he was such a smoker and he just didn't care. Like, so he would smoke everywhere in the house. I mean, everywhere. Right. And at some point I kind of like, as I was growing older, I kind of suggested to him, I said, dad, you know, um, can you actually just pick one place to smoke in, you know, <laughs> because it's like smoke is everywhere in the house, you know, and they get everywhere. And so he, and then he got all angry at me and stuff like that. Right. And, and that's what I, that's what I, I like. That was that picture. That's what that picture reminded me of, you know, um, he did his own thing, you know, like, uh, you know, couldn't really fit in the world and stuff. And so he just brought all of his stress in, you know, home. And, and so when he, when he, when we, when I, when we were quote unquote disciplined, it didn't feel, I feel like discipline. Mm -hmm. It felt like he was just lashing out himself of, of, of his own frustrations. Yeah. Yeah. So, but again, it changed, it changed all and it changed long enough for me to almost forget it. You know, and it was just that picture that kind of reminded me, you know. When did it change and how? Yeah, so it, it, it changed because, and talk about like, you know, something bad, God redeeming into good, is um, my mom, we were going, we were attending this little church. I'm not going to say which church, but she was, she was scrimping and saving to give to this church you know like um a building offering all these other kinds of things um at all like risking my dad's anger you know on it you know and all this time because he's not having any of it he's not going to church he doesn't believe in god blah blah, blah. and he's he's almost the most discouraging or the the one who was prohibiting my mom from going to church as much as she may have wanted to. Well, she, she goes um, and finds out that the pastor had actually taken the funds that were set aside for a new building for the church. And he was investing it in personal property. 
So it was a scandal, right? Wow. And and he, she went, and she was so distraught by this. So she went to him and she tried to, you know, she asked him for some explanation. And when he went to her, and when she went to him, he basically tried to buy her off, like by by saying, wow. yeah, like oh, you know, um, I've been thinking that um, you know we actually need like somebody at the church, um, and we're you know, um, and I was always thinking of you as a good candidate to come and work for the church. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, basically, I had never seen my mom so lost. Like she literally like couldn't go to work. She couldn't function she, for like a week. She was just wandering the house, just completely devastated, you know, like trust and faith completely broken. Well, I come to find out that during this time, my dad had a real moment. And he, and this is something I found out actually just two years ago. Hmm. Um, and because what happened was he, he decided and he committed himself to actually go to church with her. To make sure, and this, and what he said was, I'm going to go with her, and I'm going to make sure that this next pastor is not going to do the same thing to her, because you know, you know. Um, and so, but what happened during that time, and I only heard it two years ago, because he, he was sharing it with somebody, was he said he was driving around, and um, he was just distraught over my mom's situation, and this, like he said, it was like a thought just came right into his mind. And what it what what it said was basically like I'm a sinner. Like, I am helpless. I can't do anything for my wife. My wife is, you know, breaking down in pain, and you know, there's nothing I can do for her. And he and that made him th- that that just made him go, I'm a sinner. And I was just like, wow, that's so amazing. You know, that to hear that testimony, even at this late a time and he again it was he was sharing it with one of his friends in korea and i happened to be there and listen to him <laughs> so then you know um so then he went to you know our church new york and you know um and despite what happened with you know uh, reverend lee and everything else god used him yeah to bring my father to faith you know and uh, and then everything changed everything changed i mean yeah there's some there was some straight up miracles that happened in our family for him reconciliation you know with his with his uh family in korea who oh, basically were they estranged they were strange not because they did anything in particular to dislike each other they were strange because he was ashamed to go back uh. having done nothing with his life uh. you know and and particularly you know um he was ashamed to be in front of his mom who like had adored and loved him you know and so basically he does you know, because of his shame, it had built this wall, you know, and, and he couldn't, it was a shame, guilt, it was a wall of guilt and shame, but it was only through the gospel that that was removed so he could actually go there when my grandma was going to pass. And, um, and that was a miracle story too, you know, because what happened, and my mom said that was a straight up miracle because he was not going to go. He would not have gone if he was still loaded with this guilt. But because because he was free in Christ, he was able to go there, face her, you know, even at her at her deathbed. And apparently, when they arrived, it was like on a Monday or something, right? And Grandma asked him. First question she asked him is, "How long are you here?" Right? 
And he said, I'm here till like Friday, right? For a week. And then, so she winds up like staying alive through the, through the week and she just passes oh. on Thursday. You know, she passed on Thursday so that then they could bury her, et cetera. And then he can fly back home free, you know? So it was like a straight up miracle. That is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's really amazing. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, to my childhood, so my father changed and he changed. Um, at this point, in his change, I was already in college, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so by this time, I was my I was a freshman in college and or a sophomore. and um, That was right around the time when I met you. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and so um, as far as any sort of like passing on of any particular pattern of of discipline or 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 fathering children i'll have to say my father did not really teach me anything really much uh except to think outside the box yes and and there were some very very precious jewels of wisdom he would share with me once in a while while we were driving you know um What I find interesting is, um, so sometimes what we, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I should have mentally prepared for this. <laughs> I knew something like this could happen, but I didn't brace myself. Like, <laughs> strongly well, I don't know if that would have helped, but cause you know me, sure. <laughs> this <Yes>. is me. <laughs> Anyway, um, that's a good part of you that I'm glad hasn't changed. <laughs> and I'm sharing it with the world. <laughs> um, so sometimes um, what we learn from our parents or from people in general or environment in general is sometimes we model after um, what we see, but sometimes. Uh, <sighs> Sometimes it's the it's the opposite. We see what we don't like, and we, you know, either subconsciously or consciously decide um, this is not the way. Ah, I don't know. <laughs> this is gonna this whoever is listening to this is gonna be a very frustrating episode. <laughs> Maybe I should just edit my parts out. <laughs> um. But um, yeah, so the comment is <laughs> sometimes uh, we model after what we see and we become that. Yeah. Um, but sometimes uh, what we see is, um, you know, we decide either consciously or subconsciously to actually not be that. So actually go right. in a particular, uh, either in the opposite direction or, or something very different. Sure. That's true. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know if I ever thought about it too much, but I, I think actually in, in again, um, being very open and, and uh, forth telling about everything, I think I was very much without even realizing it in the same pattern. Huh. You know, um, uh, it, it took um, getting married, having our first child. And then like, I think a year or in a year and a half into our marriage, uh, into, uh, or a year when my daughter was around a year, a year and a half old, I had a revelation. 
because I was coming into the house and apparently I was raging. Like uh, I, was, wow. I was raging at things like, well, you know, like the, the mess in the house or whatever yeah. else that was. And, and my wife just in her very like powerful way, she just asked me a simple question. She says, why are you so angry? <laughs> and, and it was the most like dumb. I was in a dumbfounded moment. I was like, what do you mean? Why am I so angry? Isn't it obvious? It's not obvious. Right. And then, I, and then I sat down and like, and I was just thinking about, I was like, well, yeah, why am I so angry? You know? And then that's when I realized at least at that point, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is like, this is like, if I think play it back, it's like, this is very uh, similar to what I experienced with my dad. Yeah. And so that, that at least getting aware of that helped me to kind of focus on, you know, trying to deal with that better, you know, and especially with given the particular kind of um, knowledge I've been given, you know, and, and the help that I've been promised, you know, uh, in, in my faith to really kind of, you know, tap into that to overcome it. And I, I'll be honest, I'm still a work in progress. Um, are we all? <laughs> are we all right? But but yet I I can say there's progress, you know, and that um, I am generally a less angry person, you know, and and I'm thankful now that my my wife is able to actually testify to that, you know, <laughs> and, and and she'll say to me, well, oh you oh you surprised me because you 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 could have been so angry at this situation, but you're not, yeah, you know, or something like that, yeah, and then um. But the one thing I do remember, like conscientiously going, I will never do that, was smoking. Okay. Yeah, yeah because it bothered me so damn much growing up. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you know, you know, here's a, here's a, here's a, to all the listeners out there, whoever are smokers, I want you to know, like the secondhand smoke, it's it's bad stuff because I I got I had gotten I think. Um, some kind of checkup and they had done some x-ray on my lungs and they're all like, they're like, were you a smoker? Oh, wow. Yeah. And like, you have all these like, you know, like, like, I don't know, lesions or whatever on your lungs that looks like you were, you have scar tissue, like you were, you've been a smoker. And I was like, no, I, I never smoked in my life, you know, but it was all just the secondhand smoke, you know? Did, what, did your father ever quit or when he did? did. He when did he quit? That's another miracle story. You ready to cry <laughs> some more? <laughs> All right. You know oh. what? I have, to, I have to blow my nose. I'll yeah. be back. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Speaking of smoking, my father was a smoker too. And mm. uh, and he stopped pretty cold turkey um, when he was in his maybe 50s or something. Mm. I never asked him about it. But mm. um, but yeah, I mean, he started smoking when he went into the army, which yeah. is very what yeah. most guys do. They pick up, right. yeah, yeah. It was just very natural for everyone, you know sure. what I mean. So yeah. that it was understandable. But um, how my dad quit smoking was he had started coming to church. He had, um, you know, uh, really kind of become intrigued by what he was hearing, and so for the first time. It, it, he there was something in the in the in the messages that were very intellectually 
um, uh, appealing and uh, uh, searchable, or or like he could he could himself like look up things and things like that. And so he started doing mm-hmm. that. And so his faith was growing because he was actually reading for himself. Um, and part of this thing was that he he decided to join the choir because he loves music. Mm. You know? And we joined it together. You know, uh, I joined it because I couldn't understand everything that, uh, you know, um, uh, was being spoken in Korean. And the choir sat up and down a lot during the service and kept me from sleeping. <laughs> so I joined the choir because of that. And then, um, you know, we we would uh, we went to choir together and then all of a sudden um, one day he goes, this is not right. Um, I'm trying to sing and I can't even sing properly because of my smoking. Oh. And he says, this is not worthy of God. And so because of that, he quit cold turkey. And it was a miracle, too, because he had been trying like different things to try and quit like we've seen that for years Mm -hmm. but this was the first time he just said i'm just gonna stop and like he did you know i mean it was it was hellish for like several months he would just you know again walk in the house and because of his nicotine cravings and all that stuff he would just walk in see us just sitting there doing whatever and just yell at us for a while and then go outside and walk the block for like half an hour and come back you know um but but we were just so like amazed that he actually went, you know, he, he cut it off. And um, yeah, you know, so yeah, that's how he, uh, he, he wound up quitting. And, yeah, my father uh, never went through that period. Like he, he was not an emotionally up and down man. Um, mm-hmm. He was actually quite reserved and, um, and he didn't get outwardly uh, upset or angry um, although he he was a sulker so like when he was quiet and he went into his room and you didn't hear from him he, that means he was upset <laughs> and um, and he was like that because of his father because oh, yeah. his father apparently was a very outwardly angry man oh, I see. and um, and so when he was young actually my father was relatively young when his father died mm. but um but for however he long he knew his father my father seeing that and seeing how um disruptive and you know uh mm. and just unsettled the household was because of his father's anger he that was a conscious decision for my father to never ever be outwardly emotional you know like that to the detriment of his family so yeah he kept everything to himself which so he went like completely the opposite (laughs) direction and so um yeah so which is kind of interesting i mean he did get upset every once in a while um and um and he did you know yell at us every once but it was very seldom Mm -hmm. yeah Mm. um but yeah, one day he quit and I don't even know why, you know, mm-hmm. and so he never went through that emotional period like he was, you know, he, you know, uh, became more or less. He was pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. But but I think it, it might have had had something to do with church too. my father. Maybe. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, 
What was your mother like? So, you know, my mom was, um, my mom is just this, like, uh, compact, like, um, uh, ball of, uh, some looks so what seems like seemed to me like limitless energy I guess you know mm. um, you know she would work all day come home and you know cook and clean and you know and and she had no what we would consider life you know she really didn't she he's just now discovering like things she likes oh wow she's on her own and she's you know, she's just learning that, you know, right now. I mean, that's what I see because she just never had time for it, you know, or, you know, she she was just concerned with feeding us, keeping a roof over our heads because my dad, it was just so inconsistent with that, you know. And um, uh, so, you know, um, but I will tell you that like one time, the one time I remember where uh, I was a teenager and I offended her because I had come home like after curfew, right? And it was maybe an hour or so past what I said I was going to be. Like, mm -hmm. And I come in and she was like telling me, she's like, you know, you, you, know you, you, you made me worry for this past hour or so, right? And I just, as a, you know, in this typical teenager way, I'm like, what's the big deal? Like, you know, you know, like, and, and, you know, it was no big deal. I was, I was fine and et cetera. And, you know, like I said, I'm, you know, like, I'm sorry. Okay. And I start walking off on her. And I mean, without a warning, all I, all I, you know, I just get like hit in the back of the head with a stick. And then after I get hit, like, I mean, she's screaming and she's just like beating me everywhere. Like there's no rhyme or reason to it. She's just like wailing on me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm sorry, mom, I'm sorry. And I was just like, okay, all right. You know, it's like the, the, you know, my dad's, I guess, you know, raging and stuff. Like I, I'll be honest, maybe sometimes it was more bark than bite. Uh -huh. My mom, oh my, <laughs> I'm like never going to be like that to her again, you know, and and you know, give her that kind of uh, and and be flippant about her her concern, you well, know. It was disrespect. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but that particular thing is a big button with her when you just dismiss her. Yeah. Worry and concern. Yeah. Yeah, and and she went off. So I was just like. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, that's her right as a parent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might even say it's her duty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and for you to dismiss that, that's like, yeah, right. that's almost dismissing her parenthood. Sure. Yeah. And she was, the only thing that I remember my mom just insisting on to us all the time is to go to church with her. Uh -huh. You know, that was pretty much it. Like, there was really nothing else. So, so, yeah, so were you going to church, like, um, from early on? With I was. I was. I went to church from early on. Um, I remember, you know, 
or when it was in elementary school, it was mostly like a um, like a social thing. In high school, it was still also a social thing, but I was more like reluctant to go. And then when I went, you know, I just basically I I, I just put a, you know brought a lot of skepticism to everything that was being taught to me. And so you know, like so another context thing is my father was. Um, by his his area of study was philosophy mm-hmm. and Marxist philosophy at that. So religion is the opiate of the people. <laughs> and 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 here's my mom who's just like completely devoted and everything. So I was just like I went to church, and I may I I think I may have been a theist. I may believe that there was a God, but I didn't believe the God of the Bible, and I didn't really take seriously what was being taught to me from scripture yeah yeah and so i was always like raising questions in the bible study and being a real pain in the butt to everyone who wanted to teach me anything from there i was just not and it was just like this inclination you know to like not believe but that skepticism though i think on some level is healthy because because i think the fact that you mean you and i we both taught sunday school and um and you know and kids will ask questions and and you want to encourage that um right no and skepticism i'm putting in terms of the negative category okay there's a there is a way you can be inquisitive or Uh or want to know more or be curious okay but it wasn't that in the way that yeah in the way that you 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 just you you're genuinely like have almost a your your disposition is very important is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So you can be disposed to with any any information we get, with any person we deal with, disposition is key. It's mm-hmm. like you know what are you try what are you really thinking to you know like inclined to inclining your heart to uh, receive from them. If you're receive wanting to receive good from them, you're going to take their words and you know uh, even if they are possibly hurtful or critical and you may take it positively mm. you know you you if you're disposed to not like the person then anything they say that is trying to be helpful yeah it can be perceived as an attack or anything like that and that's what's happening all the time you know in our in in our world today yeah you no know? and but and that's the same way we approach you know, things of faith or truth or things like that. There's a way to understand more with a desire to know more. Yeah. And then there's a way to come into it with like this kind of desire to not know more and dismiss everything. So you're saying in your case, it was the latter. You were it was the dis- latter. It was the latter. It was like, I just didn't want to bother with it. I didn't want to know it. Right. Uh-huh. I had in it when it was mostly born out of a very uh, prideful mindset I had. You know, that I, I reasoned it out and to me it didn't make sense. Mm. And so my pride blinded me and inclined me towards dismissing, you know, that part of the faith. Right, right. Like that, that any structure to give to my theism, you know, uh, right. any any means of relationship. And everything everything requires a certain kind of structure for relationship. You know, you can't just kind of like, um, you know... Um, uh, if you say you love someone, then okay. Well, let me tell me how you're going to love them, right? In what way are you? I mean, there's very very 
ex- ex- explicit things that need to be there. You can't say you love someone and never talk to them. Right. You know, or things like that, right? And, and you know, you can't say you love someone, but you never know them. Or you say, oh, I love these particular people in Papua New Guinea. Okay, great. What is that? You know, so yeah. what does that do, right? What is that? You know what I mean? It's It has to have some kind of connection like way of connecting way of interacting a way to actually manifest that love right and 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 i think that's really what it is with you know uh, sometimes in our faith is that you know we may profess love for god or we may profess you know but then we just don't want to bother with all of the details of it or how to or how that relationship should be in in some sense entered into and especially talking with the other person who is in this case more important <laughs> in terms of you know listening to what they say is is important to them in terms of the relationship right mm. and so that's that's what it was and i just didn't want it i didn't want it yeah i still think though the fact that you are questioning it even you know even though it was dismissive um that that's still something because a completely disengaged person is harder to reach than I absolutely agree with yeah. you on that. I absolutely agree with you on that. Um I think in, in my ministry uh in life the hardest person to reach or talk with even are the people who have who are intentionally putting aside those questions. They're not even like, they're not even, you know, they don't even consider it. They don't even want to discuss it. You know, they're just like, I've made my particular non-faith position that which they think is non-faith is it's well, people say technically it's faith too, but they say, you know, it's like, it's a non-faith position. I don't want to believe. Right. And uh, it's an intentional constant, you know, working at not believing. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. which, which is actually very, um, I learned that in, in um, uh, portrayed very well uh, in this uh, series called uh, The Question of God, um, where um, this, 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 it was a PBS uh, kind of special where they contrasted the life of Sigmund Freud and C.S. Lewis uh-huh. and how these brilliant men both wound up with such completely opposite faith positions, you know. Were they contemporaries? No. Why were they no compared together? Well, Sigmund Freud came first, and yeah. and and and, um, um, and in his life, the, so the the comp- comparison was, in some sense, I think, you know, you could say that they were. Um, almost championing the opposite causes and um you know and so even though they weren't at the same time and sigmund freud came first um you know and and for me i I always see things as providential and you know where god orchestrated it was almost like a like an argument in history you know where (laughs) sigmund freud was championing non-belief right and and God raised up C.S. Lewis to kind of rebut that, right. you know, like that kind of in, in history. So is that there's a uh, argument that's going on in history, you know, with different uh, people, you know, that that are that are coming out, 
and so um, it's an incredible series. I, I actually, I actually um, highly recommend it. That's where, that is where I actually found um, in C.S. Lewis's case, um, he was what I call an angry atheist. Mm-hmm. He, he chose not to believe God because he was upset that God was not being what he thought God should be. Yeah, right. Right. And then, you know, uh, and then there's a progression, you know. Um, Sigmund Freud, completely opposite, is an intentional atheist. Yes. He's, he's committed to this position of atheism. And so that, again, takes a lot of, like, I think as much faith, right? To, um, to I wouldn't it. say, yeah, I wouldn't use the word faith. Um, I would uh, characterize it as more as a religion. So faith and religion are actually different things. Because you, you see that in um, in sort of people who are secular, um, you know, they're very they're very dogmatic in their in their right, secularism. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. That. Yeah. That. Yeah. That may be a better better way to way to say it. But yeah, he's he's an intentional atheist. He just yeah. you know um, is is really bent on not believing. You know and. And and it was incredible. Like I think one of the most moving stories was, um, he, um, uh, his father, Sigmund Freud's father, who was religious, gave him. Uh, yes, go ahead. Gave him the family Bible, uh-huh. the 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 Old Testament, the Hebrew Testament, and in it he wrote and said, you know, my son, you know, um, you know. Uh, something to the effect of, you know, I want you to read this book and, 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 and search its hidden treasures of, of knowledge and everything else. And so it was a plea for him to kind of like take from this a different perspective and allow it to kind of, you know, uh, enrich his, his life, um, which he just completely rejected. He was, again, dogmatic and committed. And so he rejected it, you know, and, um, uh, and then Unfortunately, to me, what what I found very interesting was, you know, he was so committed to empirical kind of evidence and, and being able to test things and everything else, and 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 he hit some kind of a wall and uh, as to explain the meaning of life and whatnot, and so he turns more inward mm-hmm. to what I think is the one of the most difficult things to prove empirically or or, yes. or you know, reassess, which is his dreams, right? Yes. You know, and 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 so he, so it's it's just very ironic in that way that he he you know uh, goes more inward, yes, into himself rather than having anything else kind of really speak to uh, his his understanding. Uh, I would actually be curious to what his relationship with his father was like, um, and I would imagine even just by that little um, you know snippet that you shared that it wasn't very good. Um, well, it, it, at the very least, it was detached, meaning he had yeah, his yeah. father was like a businessman who was busy with um, with work. And then um, he had a, a babysitter, you know, a nanny who was had a very huge influence on him, who was actually mm-hmm. Christian mm-hmm. and would take oh, him to church and stuff like that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. interesting. So that that series, I highly recommend, you know, yeah. uh, it's I think it's a it's just great. 
because also what he's famous for is the whole id uh, ego super ego and uh the freudian um what um oedipus complex electro electro complex and right. you know the, the the things that he are he's commonly known for right. uh, is there there's a lot of um, i mean if you look at his psycho anal psycho analysis principles and psychoanalyze those, there's a lot there. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> that that he, he's trying to exercise something <laughs> from his own life. Sure. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I I recently read. Um, C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. Mm. Um, yeah. Oh, I love that book. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, I do want to read more of his stuff. Um, yeah. Audible is amazing. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, you know, it lets you, quote, read books while you're yeah. doing other things and, and stuff. Because I'm not somebody who who's ever been very good about sitting down with an actual oh, yeah. book for... Yep you know, lengths of time. Right. Like, yeah, I get so distracted so easily. Oh, yeah. I don't know how I ever got through school. Yeah. Know, reading all those textbooks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, uh, I'm, I'm amazed myself. Um, but, um, yeah, okay. So, um, so that's how you were. So you were very, you were a very aggressive skeptic. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was a prideful skeptic. I was like, yeah. you know, my own thoughts are better for me and satisfying to me than the answers that are given to me, you know, from scripture or otherwise, you know, and, and ultimately, it was my way of uh, being a, um, you know, keep uh, creating a faith of my own making, right, that that had its, its comfort level on all these different levels, you know, it's I'm comfortable with this. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I find that and, and just listening to different people, especially people who are incredibly, um, I guess, dogmatic about um, what they believe and the way they believe and, and all that. Um, like the more uh, stubborn they are in their position about one aspect or another, um, the more I feel like they are actually creating God in their own image. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's an instinct. It's a natural instinct to do that. Yeah. Unfortunately. So, but here you are uh, so many years later mm. and you're a pastor. Yeah. And so at some point that changed. <laughs> right. So, uh, and going along with the same idea of skepticism and everything else, you know, I went into, uh, freshman year, I had basically verbally declared my independence to my mom uh, from the, the the tethers of her faith. Uh -huh. I said, uh, you know, well, I'm my own man now, and so don't tell me to go to church anymore. I just told her explicitly, I said, don't bother me about going to church anymore, so I'm not going. And um, and then um, uh, that was September, and then. Uh, for two months, um, I was kind of uh, providentially hounded um, 
by one particular person who um, basically uh, wanted to do Bible study with me, like on campus. I would just run into him all the time. And then he was like, let's do Bible study. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do Bible study. <laughs> and I, but like, I would just keep running into him, like uh-huh. in NYU campus. And I'm like, I'm constantly running into him. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. So I'm like, just to get him off my back, I said, okay, let's do Bible study. Uh-huh. And when we did, um, it was uh, really um, like I don't remember anything about it. It wasn't moving or you know revelatory or anything else. It was as I expected. I brought out my questions, you know, like I had these loaded questions. I had the questions like set of questions that I always had for these people who wanted to teach me anything. But, um, tell uh, me like, one. Like like. Why did God put the tree in the garden of a good of, tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden? Yeah. You know? I mean, isn't it like putting isn't it like putting a gun in the kitchen, t- you know, a drawer and telling your kids not to play with it? You know, something like that. You know, it's just like these kinds of things. Anyway, um, I, I remember walking out of that. Um, and, and what the, what what he said to me at the time was. It looks like you're not ready you know, or something, right? Your heart's not ready. And I was just like, Psh, typical answer, you know, like, and, and I walked out of there. Um, like if I've ever tasted like, and was given a, a, a an insight into my own arrogance, it was uh-huh. right at that moment. I still remember it very vividly because I walked out of that room. As I was walking down the hallway, I entertained the notion that I just disproved the existence of God. Uh-huh. Like, you know, like, and I was just, I was like reveling in my own, like power of Uh reasoning or something like that and that i had done and it was really weird i almost like exulted in the fact that i had just beat down this guy you know you know like and made him you know like made him now you know doubt his own faith and things like that you know and um of course the most humbling thing was that i think it was like you know, a day or two later, I run into him again. He's like, okay, so when when do you want to do Bible study again? And I'm just kind of like, what the heck it's, is wrong with you? It's like that toy when you, you know, that you punch it, right. falls, comes back up. Right, right, right. So anyway, um, I, I <laughs> for some strange reason, I, I, I accepted the invitation again. And I sat with him. And this time, you know, we ate together. And during our, the the meal, he shared me his testimony. Mm-hmm. And um, and 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 he had, you know, basically it was really um, like interesting that he had gone through um, a terrible tragedy in his life, right? Which would make you go like, and you say you believe God and he did this to you or allowed it to happen to you. And then, but you still believe him. And then he, he's basically saying he's thankful for what happened to him because it made him go deeper into faith in Christ. And I looked at him and I just went like, that does not compute. Yeah. You know, that it was just something beyond my capacity to reason in this. And the authenticity of it, I think moved me. It was not like, he was just saying it, you know, just to get me to some particular point. He was really sharing a genuine testimony of where he was in regards to his faith, that despite the tragedy of what I would think is absolutely everything you don't want to go to God for, you know, has happened to him. 
and so it shook that foundation of what I like had as far as my reasoning is concerned, you know, what I, what I can trust in. And so then um, when we did the, we did another study and then um, I, again, I don't remember any contents of the study, nothing revelatory. But the one thing that happened was um, afterwards, he said, let me pray for you. And I said, sure. Like, you know, I've had so many people pray for me, you know, like it's, it's just something I just go through to get, you know, to just go on and not leave my life. Right. But as he was praying for me, um, I genuinely felt moved to um, accept, you know, and, and so without his prompting after he finished praying for me, because I, I had heard the sinner's prayer over and over again. Yeah. I just entered into it on my own and I just prayed that prayer. Now, it's very, you know, it was interesting because it's not like right afterwards, after receiving Christ um, and, and the forgiveness he brings, I said, it wasn't like, you know, angels were singing and, you know, lights were going off and things like that. But here was the, here was the definite, the, the, the incredible difference um, as I left the room, um, I was, first of all, surprised to find that I still had all those questions. Yeah. They didn't just disappear. Yeah. Right. They were, they, I mean, I, the, my, the questions were still like stacked up in my mind and, and, and so forth. The huge difference was not only were there questions, but there was also a presence, a presence reassuring me regarding those questions that don't worry, I'm going to answer every one of them. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And that just kind of like, I remember just that being so amazing, just thinking about it. Like, wow, it's like, it was nothing like I expected, you know, but it was something so marvelous in its own way that I had a confidence that these questions I had would be answered. And I can testify now after having, been a Christian for, you know, 30 plus years, you know, that he has, he's, he's been, he's been faithful in answering these questions for me, you know, and so, um, and, and not, not in that way where I, and also I think a fruitfulness of that is where it's not where I go around thinking I know everything, mm. but, um, but, you know, and it's also this kind of idea that I actually, I actually know, but I also know how much I don't know. Right. And and so it, it's an incredibly like different dynamic. Instead of building me up into this sort of arrogant kind of mindset, I you know I'm very humbled by what I'm you know um, by all that I still need to know and understand. You know, and um, and so. So that's that's kind of how it happened yeah um and i think the way i look at it is in that moment you entered into a relationship with god right uh and that's really what it is at the core of what life of faith is is a yes. relationship that's right <laughs> amen <laughs> amen and um, I think we were talking about that earlier, right? Something about relationships, how we relate. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember what exactly what we're talking about. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, 
So that was that was September of eighty six. No, was that uh, freshman it was, year. It was freshman year, November sixteenth, nineteen eighty seven, between six and seven p.m. Um. Eighty-seven. So wait, you you went to college in eighty-seven? Yeah. Okay. But we're the same age, I think. Yeah, so, I think I'm, I might have been held back one year. I don't know. Okay. Uh, yeah. But anyway, a year later, that's when we met, is um, in the summer of eighty-eight. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it was for me. It was June, uh, August sixth. Between six and seven p.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I still remember that you you were you were you were in your goth mode, all black. I know, but it wasn't really goth. It's it wasn't goth. Okay, it, was, it wasn't goth, but it was like dark. Yeah. In dark mode. Uh, yeah. I just, I just like, I just liked. I don't know at the time if I mean I still wear all black, um, right, right. but it's not in the same way. I mean, I just wear black because it's easy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, I I remember I remember specifically I had um, a spaghetti string, sort of long dress, and on top of that I had this torn up T-shirt, both black. And I had, probably had black sandals or something like that. And I remember, so, okay, so let me tell you that story. Why I was there. <laughs> <laughs> so, as I said earlier, I, I grew up in a Christian home, so I, I went to church. Um, I think as soon as we, um, I think way back when, this is back in Korea, um, my father at the time did not go to church. And, um, and, son and he was a teacher, so Sunday was his only day off. And so either because of that, my mother didn't press him or something, but he did allow her uh, to go to church on her own. That was perfectly fine. And I say allow, and this is a different time and different culture, um, you know, where, um, I mean, it's not necessarily like husbands allowing wives, you know, to be independent in certain ways, you know, and, and if it's not that, then it's necessarily oppressive. It's just, you know, how the society functioned. I don't know. You know what? Never mind. I'm not going to try to explain all that. But anyway, um, yeah, so she went off to church, but she she went to church. Um, oh, I know what happened. Okay. So she went to church in our own neighborhood because uh, by then we had moved into this new neighborhood. And so she didn't bring the rest of us with her because it was sort of far away. Um, so we went to a local church that we could walk to. And, uh, and so I didn't start going until I was entered uh, like first grade or something like that. Um, that, you know, I guess that's when our parents considered us old enough to kind of like, you know, go places, <laughs> you know, unaccompanied by adults. Um, Anyway, so, so yeah, so we grew up that way and then we came to the U.S. and, you know, in, in any, in a lot of different uh, immigrant communities, the, the faith organization tends, often becomes the cultural center as well, 
right so yes. that's that's when that's where you go to meet others from your cultural background and you know you do things and you you know make friends and build that community and so i think in some ways that's what it was for us or at least for me anyway um i think my mother she you know she went because you know she was devout my father didn't go for a long time and well he went sometimes so my father was on and off and all that but anyway long story short or shorter um i was so i went to church kind of uh it was sort of you know in your earlier years you kind of uh, piggyback on your parents faith uh, or some people do yes. and so it it doesn't become your own until you do at some point make some sort of a conscious decision right um, and you know that decision could be dramatic or not or you know we often when, when we hear testimonies oh I was in a car accident I almost died and yeah. that's you know for I would say for the majority of us that's not what happens no. <laughs> yeah um but so but as i entered into i would say teenage years late toward towards latter half of high school uh that's i think when i began to sort of um uh rebel in my own way and um, I don't think I was ever an atheist. I think I was always a theist, that there was something out there, but that not necessarily it had anything to do with me. Um, or um, in some ways, I also saw it as kind of like, uh, no, I, I just reject you, you know, and not you, uh, you know, and your existence, but more like, you know, <laughs> get out of my life kind of thing. <laughs> I need my space. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> anyway, so that that's where I was. And then in 1988, uh, that was my year off. So uh, I went to I went to NYU actually, uh, you know, and um, I went for a year. And then uh, I was completely lost in terms of like what it is that I wanted to do with my life and and all that. Um, and um, you know, I wasn't doing very well academically because I was just so uh, uh, directionless. And uh, so I decided to take a year off to figure out, you know, something. And, uh, and you know, I took, you know, odd jobs here and there. Um, and the summer of 88, a friend of mine called and said, hey, he was working as a counselor at this day camp uh, for disabled kids. And he said, hey, uh, there's an opening. Somebody quit or something like that. And there was five weeks remaining to the day camp. And uh, we need someone, so do you want to, you know, come and help out? And like, sure. And at that time, I had just quit a job uh, that I was doing for a majority of the year that I was off. And so I had intended to take the summer off before school started. Uh, but my friend called and I was like, okay, disabled kids. And at that time, I didn't like kids. And I thought that that was a, uh, a handicap you know, of mine in terms of like my own personal development. And I felt like, um, 
not that I ever, you know, had intentions of becoming a parent, but I thought uh, I might have to deal with kids in the future if, if for some reason <laughs> at some point. So, hey, I might as well deal with troubled kids now, <laughs> you know, and uh, and like if I could handle that, then I can handle, you know, normal kids. Right. Um, so I, I agree. So I, you know, I was there and, um, and at some point it became very hard. And so the, you know, the kids who were in the camp, they were they run the gamut from emotional, uh, emotionally disturbed to mm. autistic to. Uh, some with just physical handicaps. Uh, I think one kid was his only handicap was cerebral palsy, but he was severely cerebral palsy, so mm-hmm. he couldn't really talk or anything. Um, so it it was like all over the place and trying to deal with all that. Um, when you when I had not dealt with kids be- prior to that, it was like it got to be a little too much. Yeah. And then uh, the retreat rolled around um, and. My sisters, you, I think you know my sisters. Of course. Yeah. So my sisters, of course, they were planning to go. And by that time, um, my parents, especially my mother, uh, decided not to press me too hard. You know, they just mentioned it. Hey, this retreat coming out, you know, mm-hmm. it's like whatever. But they didn't force me to go anymore. Um, but then... I really, really needed to get away from these kids. <laughs> and, um, and my parents being still, you know, strict parents, mm. I knew that I could not go off on, on an overnight vacation by myself. Like they would not allow that. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to agree to go on this retreat so I could get away from these kids. And I just won't talk to anyone, you know, and, you know, I'll act very antisocial and nobody will bother me. Right. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> and um, and I knew, like, if I agreed, like, you know, my of course, my mother would be happy. And, and, you know, that was the one place where I felt like I could go and my mother, my parents would agree to let me go and I could get away for a weekend. Um so, you know, lo and behold, I go and I don't talk to anyone. But then you come up to me, <laughs> much like the way your friend came up to you. <laughs> and you're like introducing yourself and trying to talk to me and, and all that. And I gave, I think I probably gave very curt answers. Um, like I, I didn't want to be rude. Sure. But at the same time, like I really wanted to discourage continued conversation. And so I think the first night of the retreat, the worship service, everybody was seated in the sanctuary. And I intentionally sat way in the back, you know, away from everyone because I didn't want to share any kind of even physical space with people. And then you come up to me again and you're like, hey, do you mind if I sit? Oh, no, no. At first you were like, hey, come on up, you know, let's sit up there. And I said, no, I'm perfectly fine right here. And and then you, you invited yourself to sit next to me. <laughs> Uh, and I'm like, okay, how do I get away from this guy? <laughs> and then, of course, I end up in the same Bible study group that you lead. <laughs> yeah, and then the rest um, is history. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, I think I wanted to bring that up because you were the annoying friend <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Um, yeah. 
Um, uh, what did you study in college? Um, well, I started out as a biochem major, and then uh, in my sophomore year, I, I well, it, in the summer of my freshman year, going into sophomore year, I had a, a, a kind of like moment of um, what am I going to do? Or, or I wanted to um, not do biochemistry. I wanted to do something that had, in, at that time, some kingdom consequence, um, something about, you know, bringing the gospel as a missionary, as a lay missionary, in fact. And so um, I changed my major from biochemistry to German and East Asian studies uh -huh. with a um, uh, emphasis on, uh, well, I really wanted to do a double major of German and Japanese, which was like the most ridiculous thing. But I did have to take a language for the East Asian studies. So I took Japanese and I just thought like, I was going to be this like quadrilingual, you know, like international businessman, you know, and it had a real kind of um, uh, kind of, you know, like cool, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, image to it. So that's what I just, that's what I tried doing. Um, wound up that, uh, I mean, I did graduate with those degrees, but um you know, it, it, um, I had no, no real bones for business. And, uh, and so I wound up like really confused in my junior year, end of my junior year. So I took a year off between my junior and senior year. And I just prayed through that year and, um, uh, decided that instead of, around the bush about you know what well, i'm going to be this businessman who does mission work in japan i was just going to commit myself entirely you know to ministry and at that time i was thinking missions uh, and so i came back with a uh, a goal and i finished out my senior year and with the express intent of just applying to seminary that's how it happened. Um, did you end up going to Westminster? I did. Okay. I was in uh, Westminster for a year and, and a half, almost two years. Um, and then I wound up transferring to biblical. Um, oh, that's right. I remember that. Yeah, the, biblical, the, the circumstance under that was huge, another book. <laughs> so we're not going to go into that too much here. Okay. But, yeah. Yeah, um, it was, it was, I mean, I'm ultimately, I'm thankful that I was able to go to both schools. Um, they, I think they gave me um, uh, a kind of a mix of emphasis, mm -hmm. which I thought was, is, was particularly for me, it was helpful to know and have. And um, yeah, so. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. We, we, I, I wanted to talk more about family stuff, but we ended up like down these like tangents, which is perfectly fine. Right. Uh, but let let's kind of come back to family. Okay. Uh, um. Oh, do you have a hard stop? Because we're approaching like th hour three or end of. Three. Um. Oh no, we we have one more hour. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, but I need a I need a bathroom break. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Yeah, I'll pause. Okay. Is that, what is that? Is that iced tea? 
Uh, it's just some cranberry juice with water. Mm. Nice. Um, so you're in Westchester now? I am. Okay. And your family moved with you? They did. Okay. Because I was a little confused about that because um, I think because um, some of your social media, you're, you were back in Portland for uh, a while. Yeah. Or... So last year was crazy, right? Uh-huh. Um, you know, June... First, my dad passes, and then uh, in August, August second, um, my daughter got married. Yeah. And um, so I flew back for that, and then uh, we packed up the house. Um, we we had a, a three. It was a toy convoy, um, <laughs> three cars. Like I was driving the moving truck. My wife was driving the minivan. My son, uh, my middle, um, was driving his car. And we drove, you know, across the country. And we dropped him off in Cleveland because he's going to Case Western. Uh -huh. and so it was married off the daughter, pack up, drive across the country, drop off my son at school, it, it starting his freshman year at Case and then drove the rest of the way to New York. And then, uh, you know, we were staying at the church for, the church has a parsonage. We stayed there for like a month um, looking for a place. And then we found one and uh, and then moved in and then registered my son to go to school. And it was like a whirlwind. So. That's what happened. Cause I think you came to, you came to the East Coast first on your own. Okay. Oh, because they probably had to finish out school and stuff. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They had, you know, my, my middle was in his year, you know, and so. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's the confusion. Cause like, it felt like, wait, did you, did you all move? No, you didn't move because they were still like posted by Portland yeah. and <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you had, you had a lot of different life-changing oh uh, things happening all at once for oh your my. father passed away well, yeah. first you get a new job yeah. uh, but on the opposite coast and your father passes away and then uh you do a major move and your daughter gets married yeah <laughs> yeah son starts college yeah it son was starts crazy it's crazy all, all in the midst of COVID. All in the midst of COVID. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so what is your family like? Um, I mean, you you spoke a little bit about you know when your daughter was like one, one and a half. You you saw, sort of, um, your behavior reflecting, you know, your father's old behavior. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So what was what was it like in terms of like. You know, did you make uh, certain decisions, you and Elena, um, right. about like how to, what kind of parents you'll be, and that sort of thing? By the way, love Elena. She yeah, is an amazing woman. You so lucked out. <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. Yes. Um, so I think the first thing that was very helpful to us in terms of, um, conceiving how we're going to raise our children was number one we made a commitment early on to never argue in front of the kids about the kids right you know that we would always show a united front 
Um, and then so basically, if anything we didn't like happening in some sort of, you know, situation, we would talk about it privately, you know, and discuss it. Um, but but never in front of the children. So we never gave them an opportunity to divide us and conquer us. That's number one. The other thing that I think is more significant is that um, I truly learned the the whole pattern of discipline actually from scripture. You know, um, Hebrews 12 in particular speaks about uh, how discipline is a, uh, from God is actually a sign of love. And um, it was it was really like, I think mind blowing for me to kind of realize, okay, you know, this is the way I want to raise my children, you know, like where they are, they will all never equate discipline with anger or hatred or anything like that, but they will always associate it with love. And in in and in the in the right practice of discipline, I found out that discipline is actually the highest form of love, because you know um, it hurts to discipline. It hurts you to discipline your child. You know, um, the, I mean, the, the most painful thing any any you know loving parent goes through is seeing their child in pain. You know, whatever it that may be, they, you whether you take away something or you actually give them you know, uh, corporal punishment or whatever, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's horrible, you know, like you don't want to do it, you know, and it takes a lot of like, uh, effort to even, you know, do that and go through it. It's so it literally is something where I would, I would tell my kids, like, I don't want to do this. I really don't, you know, but um, but I, I, it, I feel it as a, my duty to do so. And I mean, with, I, I mean, I made a lot of mistakes, you know, it was never a perfect record, you know, and, and with each one, I made different mistakes because they're all different, you know. Um, but, uh, but I feel like it was something so critical and important to whatever, if I can point to anything I've done with my kids that makes them likable and you know like where they are in, in, in instinctively turned somewhat more outside of themselves where they're naturally you know wanting to be inclined towards to be turned inward they're turned outward to the needs of others to pay attention to those things it's all because of discipline discipline just sort of helped them you know like really come out of them themselves in a way you know in a very healthy way and um, you know, I'll be I'll be blunt. I I we we instituted corporal punishment, but um, but and and here's the way I I actually it didn't just come out of like revelation where I read Hebrews and I was like, oh, this is what I need to do. It was because I was struggling with my first. And what happened was it it it, it went in this kind of a way. It's number one, I I noticed that um, uh, like. I don't know where it came from, but this kind of rebellious attitude, like, you know, everyone says terrible twos or whatever. It's like, you know, where, where, like, I will say something clearly that she wasn't supposed to do, but she would still do it anyway, you know? And, um, and then it came down to like, so for example, I still remember one time, you know, um, uh, anyway, well, 
uh, the other thing was that when when it came to this discipline, it was like um, uh, I, I found out very quickly in in a very a very terrible time. Uh, at some point, I could not increase the frequency or the intensity of the of the discipline. Right. Wow. You know, so <laughs> Wait, like, she's I was two like, years old and she's yeah. testing you to that limit. Wow. And, 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 and I was like, oh, basically, like these kids, they just develop what I call iron butt, right? Where it, it didn't matter anymore. It was almost like they were just like it was. And then I saw I felt like there was a hardening. Mm -hmm. Right. And it was it, so it was completely opposite of what I wanted to see happen. And so this is where the scripture really kind of, you know, informed me and helped me, you know, where discipline used to be something where I had to express my anger, even though I wasn't really that angry, you know, um, and, and so forth. And kind of like, you know, emphasize how terrible and bad it was uh, that they had done. Um, I, I it, it was like a breakthrough moment when because I saw all this happening and it was like really bad. I said I decided, OK, I'm going to I'm going to just. Uh, I'm gonna try and make and make it com and associate discipline with love as much as possible. So I first started to talk to her, uh, and I made a commitment to not enter into that time of discipline angry. If I was angry, I would not do it, and I would just take time to cool off, whatever. And then I just come and speak to her. And then um, what I did was I said. You know, um, I explained what had ha what had happened, and why she needed to be disciplined, and then I did this like it. it I, I don't know why I decided to do it, but I just I actually held her while I gave her the meme. In Korean, it's called meme, right? So I gave her, you know, the 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 the, the, the smack on the butt. So I'm holding her and I'm giving her the smack on the butt. And I found it like so incredible where like it didn't take a lot or it, it wasn't even that hard. And she just broke like something broke hmm. where she she had somehow understood that she had broken some rule of love between us. That's what I call it, that she had she had broken some rule of love between us. And so the cry was no longer like this angry cry and hurt cry. It was a cry of like just repentance almost like, you know, that they, they were they were actually sorry for it and everything. Yeah. So it was a real revelation because from that point on, like I, I, I wound up where I was able to, to put it into the context of, of love in such a way that, you know, they they didn't run to mom after after they got men. <laughs> they came to me, you know, for the, the comfort. Uh -huh. Immediately, even after I given them amendment or something, they would come to me. Now, let me clarify to all the listeners, as far as the corporal punishment was concerned, I didn't even have to do a lot of it. It was a five meme system, basically, right? And five it was smacks. only yeah, five smacks. Like meaning, it was either five or one. Okay, and and you know it never went beyond five, and uh -huh. it was only a way to kind of for them to understand the degree of infraction, right? You know, like, so for example, like one of the things I wanted to do was to say to them, like, okay, you don't disrespect mom. Like if she calls you once, you need to respond no matter what you're doing, right? 
And so, you know, she calls her, she calls twice, three times and they don't respond. I'm like, okay, I heard, just heard mom call you twice and three times and you did not respond. Okay. That's two men, something like that. Right. Yeah. Now then, and, and, you know, I believe I'm a firm believer in sinful nature. You know, all of a sudden my daughter, I don't know where she picked it up from, or she doesn't pick it up. It just comes naturally. And it says a self-protective kind of instinct. She lied, you know, it, right. it, you know like it lying was like, you know, and we're just like, where did she get to? And I was like, wow, this is sinful nature. Anyway, um, lying was was a, like a level five meme, you know, like a level five, you know, five meme, you know, thing. Like it was that bad, you know. So between that, you know, and and it was it was we just try to be consistent. And and um, and and it was it was uh, thankfully I felt it very effective and fruitful, you know, for them. And in point of fact, it it became such that as time went on, and as early as we began it, as time went on, had to do less and less of it till it just basically we never had to touch lay a hand on them. All we had to do was it was a tone. Mm -hmm. It was it was a it was and then. And then if I saw something, I would just basically like, you know, Eden. And then they, would, then they knew that there was something serious that was coming. And then I would explain, you're doing this right now. And, and this I, I don't think is good or healthy or whatever else, you know, whatever that may be, you know. And then so it, it, it and they all grew up that way in such a way that like, you know, uh, it became a very, it became very strange for me when I would be in the company of other families and other children and they would be basically like, you know, going crazy, you know, um, for things that, you know, like I, I just, kids just never did, you know, like, you know, where they were insisting on something or throwing a tantrum or where we went to the store and they wanted something from the toy store. Like they, 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 they never went, you know, they would, we would go through aisles and aisles of toys and whatever else. And they'd never go, oh, I want this. Dad, get this for me. You know, like, and, and come on, please, please. No, nothing like that, you know. And so it was just this kind of like, you know, and, but then at the same time, I have to be honest. I mean, I, I, I wanted to lavish them, you know, with things. So even before, like, so what I did as a parent was I said, before they even come up with the desire for it like this kind of like burning desire for something, I wanted to meet that need, you know, like, and, and give it as something coming from me, you know, hmm. um, where they didn't have to insist on it in a way. And, and There's... so that, that was, that's been, that's, that was also something, like I said, so, and also, let me also mention for every like uh, statement of correction or instance of correction and discipline, you know, um, I, tr I made it a point to be affirming, you know, and, and, uh, affirming them in all the good that they were doing, you know, at, like, like five times more. So for every one, you know, it was like a ratio of one to five, you know, for every act of discipline, I wanted five affirmations of, of either love or their, their, their position, their standing, whatever that may be, you know? And so, um, and, 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 and I think, the, the kind of intentional, like being aware and engaged with what they were doing at any given time and jumping in and, and correcting them as they needed to be corrected 
and being just diligent about it has has paid off for us in, in a remarkable way where we absolutely love time together. Mm. Like there's just no, no real, no issues, nothing, you know, nobody's crying for themselves or wanting this and that in their own way. You know, we just, just, just delight in our time together. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I saw that when I visited you, um, mm. that, you know, you guys just, genuinely enjoy spending time together and and that takes work it doesn't happen automatically right um and um and yeah and i was only there one night i wasn't even there that long one mm. afternoon and one evening yeah. and then next day like four o'clock in the morning i i was or actually even earlier than that because i had to go up to seattle <laughs> um yeah um so well first of all great parenting good job you. to mm -hmm. you and your <laughs> your <God>. wife <laughs> oh god <laughs> i know yes <laughs> you're in the glory i used to be here let me tell you one other thing though i used to be very prideful like because my kids were so you know not like typical or you know what what a lot of people would come to me for in terms of counseling and different things like that, I would I would just be like, oh, you gotta do this, you gotta do that, you gotta... and and eventually I just really wound up like, oh Lord, this is so much pride on my part, and I had to be, really be like humble about it, you know, and and grow in humility, you know. I'm still trying to, you know, but um, I'm thankful that like at some point, you know, like, and my wife is very good about keeping me accountable to that. Cause she saw me getting all excited and, you know, like trying to teach. And so she'd just be like, come on, honey, you know, you need to calm down, <laughs> you know, just too much information all at once and all this other kind of things. But anyway, yeah, it's, it's, it's something I'm, I'm absolutely like, you know, like every day I can be thankful for this, you know, um, of, of how they are, how they represent um, their faith, each one having come to their own expression of it almost really naturally, you know, um, and uh, yeah, and just this absence of conflict of what is, mm. is really like where it's almost accepted and a given that it's going to happen, you know, and that's, I think, sad to me is that people will come to me and go, so you know, they would they'll ask me like, Pastor, how did you handle it when your kids went into, you know, the adolescence and they had this rebellion thing, right? And I'd just be like, oh, no, <laughs> sorry, I just, you know, and then I get very sad. I like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I can't relate with it. You know, and, and that's, a, that's the yeah. thing. It's like, I can't relate with that because it just never happened. You know, it just never materialized, you know, like even now, you know, my, my son just turned 16 years old. Um, and he's the last of them, but you know, when you're, and what I've seen in, in terms of typical pattern is I've done youth ministry and, you know, so forth is that, uh, year 10 and 11 are the worst years as far as high school students are concerned. That's when they're on full on, like I'm, I, you know, they have the, 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 the immortal, the, yeah. the immortality enzyme running through them, like where they, they're just on a growth pattern and they, they think like, you know, they have this idea, like they know everything and all this stuff. 
And so they're most rebellious, in my opinion, around that time. Then That's when they like get like 15 or 16. Yeah. Then when they get yeah. into senior year, they get a little more humble because they're about to graduate and they're like, you know, yeah. going on. And so there's like, okay, now, you know, there's a little bit more of a soberness coming in. And typically speaking, I think parents really need to be careful during those years so that you have to ride it well. You can't, if you try and, you know, that's when most of the possible trauma happens, I think, in terms of relationships, hmm. where, you know, um, because of so, that's such a, there's such a separation or a, like, I'm on my own, I can do my own thing. They're discovering themselves. They're discovering their own power, in a sense. And they feel it. They feel it all through, you know what I mean? Like, you know, hormonally, everything. And they're just kind of like, you know, um, and it's during that time when parents aren't able to sort of ride that well, they can cause a lot of trauma, you know, coming out of it, you know. Yeah, they are becoming their own person um, and figuring out their own identity that's apart right. from that of their, being their parent's child. Right. right. Um, and the, I guess that's also when peer, you know, their peers have incredible uh, amount of influence. Right. Um, but I, I also think that, um, the foundation of the early years, uh, you know, the love and discipline and boundaries and structure you give them in their early years yeah. have a lot to do with that as well. Cause when you sure. don't have sure. a solid mm-hmm. foundation, then right. You can easily be swayed. Yeah. 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 And I think another helpful thing I, I would share is that the doctrine of of uh, total depravity is really healthy. Mm. And what I mean by that is, you know, you have this understanding that, um, you know, biblically speaking, we 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 believe in um, the fact that we are corrupted by sin, even in our nature. And not only that, we we're not only sinful when we sin. But we, 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 there's a corruption that has entered into every part of who we are, right? And, and understanding and believing that in my approach to the discipline, I think was very helpful. Because I never treated my children like, oh, they're just angels. They just kind of like, you know, right. you know what I mean? Where, where, and then all of a sudden become surprised when they sin or when they rebel against you or talk back or anything like that, you know, or, or do something, you know? Um, and I, that's what I often found with families as well is that parents would go, my kids were fine up till a certain point. And then all of a sudden they just turned around like in 180 degrees and they literally shocked, Yeah. you know, and they don't, you know, and they, they couldn't believe this about their children. And then they blame everything. Like they blame the church, they blame their friends and all these other kinds of things. And, it just goes very, very unhealthy. And so, but that understanding that they needed that kind of structure and discipline early on. And I mean, early on, here's, here, here's another story. So, How early? Because <laughs> you, well, you I, emphasized it, early. Yeah. So, for example, with my daughter, right? Okay. She was, I think, three months old. And she's, she's fed, she's swaddled, I'm holding her. I, every physical need I could think of, she, was, she had, right? But 
she was just raging, like, ah, right? And I was like, what do I do? You know, like, I, I, there's something here that's like, it's not, it's beyond this, just this physical need that she had. She has, I mean, checked her diaper, made sure she was comfortable, hold her clothes. She just needed to sleep, but she didn't want to sleep. And even at like three months. So what happened was I was holding her. And as I was holding her, I said, I said, how can I reach her? How can I tell her that she's kind of in the wrong here? Right? Without hurting her. So I just held her and went, no. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, 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 and I remember just shocked when she just basically like her crying stopped. And it went from one of raging to one of a little bit of sadness. And then she was out like a light. Yeah. You know? And I, I just learned something from that as well. Like those little moments, you know? And, and I guess that led to later on in the, you know, when she was two or so. And then in this full on kind of like rebellion, it just helped me understand like, yeah, it's not about, the, again, the intensity or the frequency, you know, and to to prove your point that you've done something wrong. It's about connecting it with some kind of like a, a deeper level, like uh, a break in, in, in a love relationship. Yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, so just taking that example for a minute. So one one may uh, uh, argue like it's a baby. Iggy, right. this is a baby. What do they know? They're just yeah. acting instinctively. And yet, uh, you know, you're, what you're saying is, uh, no, that even as young as three months yeah. old, yeah. that there is some, uh, that there is mo actual motive and intention and some will, you know, there's a level of will there. As they grow, this, this, it grows. You know what I mean? At, yeah. at the beginning, they, they all they know is instinct, right? You know, the, the, to cry and, and all these things for their for their particular needs, right? But what happens when you know you you again? And that was what the situation was. I was I mean, I was just there could there was nothing that we think she needs except you know, and she should be fine, but she's not, hmm. right? And um. And, 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 and it's interesting because, you know, one of the things that I saw in a pattern as far as raising children are concerned is that right before they need to sleep, they're at their worst. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They're just like, they're just, just tantrums or this manic kind of a thing that they're going through and they just can't stop themselves and, you know, things like that. And so you need to be, you know, and, and, and again, it's, that's, to me, that's indication of like what I call uh, you know, the, the, the influence of uh, sinful nature corrupted through and through, you know, that, that's, it's, and it's, 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 theologically speaking, it's called the imputation of Adam's sin, which means that when Adam sinned, everything became corrupted, right? And then, and then, so it's not, there's a sin that is imputed, meaning you didn't have anything to do with it, but it comes to you anyway, as a whole. And then there's a sin of uh, of commission where you willfully do something you're not told you're not supposed to do, et cetera. Right. Um, and, and most of the focus I think uh, in our day and age is on the sins commission. of commission where basically it's like, you know, children are what's wrong. What they're innocent. They don't do They've never done anything. Right. 
any any ask any parent children are not innocent <laughs> yeah no, exactly and again yeah. there the, the corruption leads to things like like i said like where did she learn how to lie mm-hmm. you know what i mean like who you know and then immediately we think it's something outside of them like somebody has told them or taught them or she saw an example and it's not what that's not what it is it, no. it it's born out of this sort of natural instinct to just protect themselves you know what I mean? From some, from whatever consequence they think will come, you know, and, uh, you know, it's really, it's really fascinating in that way. So anyway, yeah. that has helped me in terms of my approach to discipline. And obviously we prayed a lot as well. You know, we really like, you know, ask God for wisdom and how we can better parent. We ask God to give us, you know, give them the strength to fight sin in themselves and so forth and and that's been you know i mean it's um uh and 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 all in all honesty in our day and age as good as they may have been they were they were always struggling with sin you know mm-hmm. you know and and or like it, it was something that was very that that uh uh afflicted them in very significant ways you know, like, um, for example, my daughter, um, when she entered middle school, she was exposed to pornography mm. at school. And all of a sudden, I would find her up in the morning on my computer. Mm. And then she didn't know that I could actually do search history and whatnot and, and found out that she was surfing these sites that she had been shown. Mm-hmm. And so even at that early age of like, I think it was like 13 or whatever, she was you know, uh, it, it had c- captured her imagination, mm-hmm. you know, and then it took her a while, actually a while to really kind of address that for herself, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like wow. they, they're perfect, you know what I mean? They, they're not, you know. Um, and then both of my boys, forget about it. I mean, you know, they, you know, I mean, it's even worse now than it was yeah. and continuing to be. And then... So they're they're constantly you know sharing with me and we, we we you know we come alongside them and we try to you know help them along and and really just preach the gospel to them about forgiveness at first and then you know uh, applying whatever discipline we can you know I don't I don't give them memme anymore but you know we we do kind of you know like um, uh, you know whether we we withhold some things or whatever else you know and just try to keep them accountable. And help them again through this time, yeah. You know, where where it it it's it's all of this the worldliness is pressing upon them, you know. So I mean, it's it's just a constant struggle, you know. But um, so yeah. it's it also seems that their your kids uh, they talk to you about stuff. Or do they talk to? Do they come voluntarily and talk to you about yes. stuff? Or yes. they do. You and have to I, prod and them a little. Right. I feel like very thankfully they they they're very self-effacing about the kinds of struggles that they're going through. Mm. My boys in particular come to me and ask me, you know, how do you deal with it, dad? Mm. You know, how do you how do you fight through this kind of thing? Mm. And so they ask me about it. You know, and I share with them my own personal stories and things like that and how I've learned to, you know, uh, fight it, you know, and and fight that that corruption you know of instinct and 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 soul and everything else so Um, yeah i mean i think as much as it it is important for for the kids to feel the you know the confidence and 
and an assurance that they could approach their parents about difficult subjects, parents also need to be confident to be able to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. that that's often sometimes the harder thing is yeah. we don't necessarily have the necessary tools and sure. and language and you know to address yeah. difficult subjects. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it occurs to me that um, I think there was something that my dad did in a negative way that I think I did commit to doing in a positive way mm -hmm. was that he never shared with me, you know, his thoughts, right? You know, I'd go to ask him like about his books, right? And he'd be like, oh, you're too young to understand. Me. So oh, I hate that. <laughs> right. So I remember being kind of disliked that in, in, you know, when I was growing up. And so with me, with my children, it was an all out, like, I'm sharing everything. Uh, you know, I'm sharing with them my struggles. I'm sharing with them, you know, uh, everything that I'm going through, like even with my faith. Uh, I remember times where I would sit in front of them and, and uh, when I perceived a certain sin that I was uh, that it had been revealed to me, I shared with them about that. Like, for example, like, I think I had made an idol of all of my, like, even my computer building and stuff. I took a lot of, like, you know, per worldly pride in, you know, building these things. And and, and what one, uh, one message convicted me on was these monuments to myself, right? You know, oh, really? And, was that your Tower of Babel? Well, yeah, I mean, it's just like, no, it was just a message I was listening to. And it's like, we, we, we were constantly trying to build things that kind of reflect back on us and give us a sense of like, you know, accomplishment or yeah. justification and whatnot, you know? And I was like, oh my gosh, that's what I've been doing, you know, like with all these things. And, and in such a way that like where my kids, when they, <laughs> when they invited their friends over and, and. You know, uh, I was the cool dad. I mean, I love being the cool dad, right? And they would come, they would invite their friends over, and then they would literally give them a tour of our home and all of the different tech things I put in here and there. You know, they they bring them to my garage and say, "Oh, this is my dad's workspace. See how cool it is. You know, all this stuff that he's doing." And then, you know, upstairs we had almost like a PC bang thing kind of going on. So they would yeah. just show them everything. And and I remember one time just being like really convicted. I'm like. And I, and I sat them down and I said, you know, kids, listen to me. You know, uh, you might think that that uh, I, I, I find it good, you know, or I find some kind of pleasure in, in seeing you doing that with your friends. But I said, I'm actually ashamed. Hmm. You know, I said, this is, this is a point of shame for me, you know, because I don't want you to be where the one thing that you show or are so proud of is all of this technology that I have like set up, whatever else that may be, you know, I mean, it's, ex it's excessive. It could be, you know, it's obsessive almost. Mm -hmm. you know? And I said, I'm struggling with that. I'm trying not to, I'm trying to like whittle it down, you know? And, and, and so I, I remember like really kind of, you know, sharing with them that struggle, you know, and, and, and it's that kind of level of like, I think sharing that has been also very helpful you know, mm -hmm. in terms of our relationship and that they understand, again, I'm explaining where it's coming from, why it's happening, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's discipline or other things that are going on. Um, one of the things that I found incredible about 
2018 into 2019 was in uh, in the fall of 2018. I came to um, kind of there was a it came to mind that there was a possibility that I was going to be leaving that ministry in Portland by the end of 2018. And that uh, my my particular position was in jeopardy. The first people I shared it with was my wife and my boys and my children. And, and my daughter was at school at the time, but I, 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 I shared it with them. I said, this is a possibility. And I want you to pray for me, pray with me. And so they were with me every step of the way through the whole transition and everything else. And I would give them updates on what was happening, how it happened, how did, you know, how God was gracious in this moment and all these other things in such a way that they never felt bitter or angry or sad. I mean, there was, there was some sadness about having to maybe possibly leave their friends and whatnot, but sure. it was yeah. still, it was, it was balanced with this kind of, you know, understanding that, that there was a, there was a, there was a purpose in this, you know, and, and so it, it sustained them through, you know, in such a way that, you know, I think my son, uh, Jonathan has made a rather difficult transition, you know, from Portland to here. Now, interestingly enough, COVID uh, was helpful in that regard, because it, it, it basically nullified all the relationships anyway, like brought it all to kind of ground zero, where the only way you could interact was by virtual yeah. means. And so that kind of made it, you know, uh, it, 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 um, it leveled everything in that way. And then he was able to build on that. And now, um, yeah, so, so many, so many different things, you know, but all um, with uh, this very intentional communication showing them things about faith walking with them like pointing things out like when we watch movies they expect that we're going to have some discussion on it's it's mm. uh, on, a, on a theological level like what was its value how does it speak to the how does it add to and affirm the truth we believe or how does it speak against it in some way you know, or, or whatever that may be. Right. Do you do that with everything? I, I mean, I, like I try, like I try to just kind of put into context. I say, just take a step back mm -hmm. and look at it in the, in the, in this picture. And, 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 and yeah, like, I mean, you know, with music, you know, even like I point out lyrics or things like that. Right. And even their games. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, you, you see what you're doing here. You're playing Diablo three. Right. And your whole point of it is you ha as uh, you have you become this a superhero who is able to kill the devil. Right. Mm -hmm. OK, and, and about, I don't know. And, and, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's like so anyone who's listening who plays games knows it's like a dungeon crawler is all about getting enough uh, working through the dungeon. Right. Um, uh, grinding is called in order to get yourself powerful enough to defeat the enemy you know, the, all the boss, yeah. right? which is so, the devil. So just a quick side note. Uh, yeah. I recently heard a conversation about the benefits of gaming. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, they, there's a, you, you know, this better right. than I did. There's a huge gaming community and right. culture or subculture. Yeah, it's yeah. Well, yeah, probably because of COVID maybe, but mm -hmm. I mean, it was, it was huge yeah. you know, even before that. Um, and how, 
it helps to um helps with imagination one but it also helps with like especially the world building kind of games it not the like shoot 'em up you know kind of right. stuff where it's yeah. very pointless uh yeah. but especially the world building type of games where you're establishing rules and structures and and different things and how it provides this kind of this virtual world provides a kind of a a space where you know young minds can like um exercise different things yes and learn different things yeah 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 so it's it's not all you know uh wasted time <laughs> no i mean um I've seen it a long time ago. I've seen where people who were um, in these massively online role-playing games, um, like World of Warcraft, you know, where they have to actually manage like clans, you know, like these people, and they have to manage it. Like they that that could that is now legit cred on resumes, you know, where they say, yeah, I managed a clan of like you know. A thousand people you know really? what I mean? yeah wow. because, because it takes a lot of like managerial skills to kind of like you know kick out people who are not helping and you know and disputes and whatever and those kinds of things and setting goals for your your particular clan and everything all in the virtual yeah. realm yeah. you know and which actually translates well into uh you know real world and then uh yeah, and I think just to know, because I don't know enough about gaming. So in that virtual world, so all the other, all the other uh, members of the clan, behind each member is an an actual person, right? Right. Right. That's how it works, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. So there's there's a yeah they they just have their avatars and whatnot, and then every but everyone, you know, um, has the real life, you know, um, in Tron language, the user. Yeah. Yeah, and and so it, that kind of um, um, skills skill building over years, you know, like you know, some who have been in it for years, you know, mm -hmm. they have this kind of like where they can say, yeah, I've legitimately, you know, um, uh, you know, done this thing for this many years, and you know, I, I you can list your accomplishments, what you've done with your clan, let's say, you know, wow, and they're, they're recognized in a corporate sense. There's also now um when it comes to even qualifying for uh fine motor skills that are used for eye hand eye coordination for um laser surgery or laser microscopic surgery you have to actually test by playing games mm. you know and 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 how well you coordinate your hand and eye in order to then qualify for or you know to be able to handle these particular um, machines and things like that. So there are, yeah, definitely a lot of applications. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, yeah, I, I was just, uh, that, um, that it's, it's actually a very interesting, interesting thing. It um, is, it is. One that I, I, I have never actually participated in. There was a conference that I attended uh, many years ago. Uh, it was on uh, transmedia uh, storytelling. So where, you know, so transmedia is like where uh, the story starts in one media form, but continues in others. Uh -huh. So like, let's say, uh, it starts with like, um, 
you know, fan fiction that then becomes a game and through that game, the story continues and the characters develop further yeah. And, yeah. and then it becomes something else, you know, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that going around. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, but that's when I first came across uh, the whole gaming thing because there was one, yeah. uh, one talk about the yeah. whole game world. And I think it was Warcraft or the whole thing was like people were building things. Right. And I was looking at it. And I'm like, I don't get it. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, it's, you know, I, I think I've, I've been, I've always been kind of a technophile. And so it's, it's, it's a little bit more understandable to me, you know, mm -hmm. like, and even, I mean, I'll be honest, like 2018, um, I was, uh, I think 2018 or part of 20 to 2017, I, I was actually mining Bitcoin. Were you? I was. Not that I actually saved it Bitcoin because I was like, oh, I got Bitcoin. I can spend it. So I wound up spending it, unfortunately. Oh. Um, I, I think I might have, I don't know, it's just a little bit left somewhere. Um, I, I actually gave it to my friend to manage. But um, it, it's not a real significant amount. But it's growing. I mean, it's like huge. It's fifty above fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're right. I and know. so I was I was in it when it was around four thousand. You know. Okay, so though that's still it's it's it's, it's like yeah. incredible. But you know, the thing was, I I I understood from gamers that I was ministering to in the church mm. why this was something that could have value in the future. It's because it's about what you give value, what a, a community will say is valuable. Mm -hmm. you know? and, they, and it's been, it's been, that idea has been around forever because like things like this game called Diablo or whatever else, they would have a marketplace where they would sell certain items that were randomly computer generated, right? Mm -hmm. And that had a certain value that they would put it on the market and then people would pay real money to buy it. You know, but all yeah. in virtual space, you know, and now that's yeah. happening right now. Now that in the news, this whole week was about these um, NFTs, digital. Yeah. Yeah. These these digital images and things like that or, or you know, media that people are owning. Yeah, right? um, yeah. it's blowing up. It's huge. Um, yeah, it's blowing up huge. It's uh, actually a friend of mine that I met back in 2018. Uh, she introduced me to the whole digital art space but yeah. I didn't do anything with it. Right, right, right. She actually suggested she I, I was showing her some photographs from my from my trip yeah. and I was like, "Oh, that's cool. That's cool." And she was like, "I wonder uh, how much that would actually fetch in, you know, XYZ market." And I'm like, "What's that?" And she was like explaining and I'm I'm still like trying to sure. understand. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. she's like, "Yeah, you should you should try it. You should put it up there and 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 price it at 10,000." Right, right. And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, just uh, I I bought ten minutes. Just FYI. Oh yes. Okay. Um, yes. So okay. So that yeah. Let's let's kind of start wrapping things up then. Um, I still think you have a book in there somewhere, a book <laughs> or something. No, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean. You know, I'm open to the idea and, you know, um, that might be something I should more seriously pray about and reflect on. Um, uh, you know, I, thank you for 
bringing it up again and and reminding me because it's something I should I shouldn't dismiss or you know I should really kind of think about um yeah cuz I mean aside um I think uh it's it's less about the specific things that you did with your children and and bringing them up but it's I think the whole approach the whole right. sort of concept and philosophy and and the principles yeah. um and um yeah, even if it's not, um, I think it's important that, you know, because you're a faith-based person that, that, you know, that that's where it comes from. Sure. But even aside from that, I think there are still a lot of things in there yeah. that will be universally beneficial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so maybe that's a good note. That's, uh, that's a good note to end. <laughs> So, future author, podcaster, uh, a ministry of a different kind. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm open. Like I said, like, I think COVID in particular has sort of blown up everything. And so we're all exploring all these different opportunities and different ways to connect and, you know, um, uh, do life. So, mm-hmm. highly possible. Uh- Oh, and here's a here's a thought. You could also bring your kids into it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, where it's like sure. you and your kids and, and your wife, you know, a whole family discussing different family issues. Sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Be a whole family thing. But um, I mean, there there is, though, the the question of like, well, once you put yourself out there, then you do become public. Right. right? So there is that. And, and that's something that I am still sort of. Uh, not completely fixed on or you know, right. completely right. decided on, even even as I'm doing this. Yeah. That, um, yeah, yeah, I'm exposing yeah. myself in, in ways that I, uh, yeah. Why am I actually doing this? Right. I'm hoping that it yeah. would help somebody. Yeah. Right, right. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, book maybe not so much. I don't know. We'll see. But. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I'm just planting seeds. Okay, thanks. <laughs> um, all right, great. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Do you? Do you have um, places where? You, do you want people to follow you? I, I ask this on you know to everyone. Um, um I mean, you know, um, I don't. I don't really. I don't do like Twitter or Instagram. I mean, yeah. I I put up posts on Facebook, you know, from time to time that I feel I think are, you know, it's, sometimes it's just me venting or there's something I need to express. Sometimes I think that particular thought or whatever is helpful, you know, but other than that, I don't really do much uh, in terms of being media present or presence, you know, Media, but yeah yeah i don't know if i'm i'm still deciding whether i'm too old for that or not <laughs> um i don't think age has anything to do with it sure, i think sure. it's it's i think it's like uh depends on what you want to do with it yeah yeah um and um yeah and- i mean i think i've toyed with the idea of just actually doing like a uh, if i did anything was do a um a, a, a YouTube on PC building. 
<laughs> that can be cool too. No, seriously. Yeah. It's like, I, yeah, I, I just think, I just think, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things I could share on how to do builds, but. Um, and, and the PC building can be an, uh, analogy to other things. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But um, but anyway, it was it's been so much fun. It, it was so much fun talking to you. Yeah, it's um, great talking with you, JJ. Thanks for uh, leading yeah. me down some memory lanes and yeah, like that. And and thank you for making me cry like more than and on any other episode, I think. <laughs> well, we we had some very uh, moving topics. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. Um, well. And um, please come back anytime. We could talk about anything. Okay, um, cool. I know this was a topic that I particularly wanted to explore with you, but uh, but if there's anything that you know you want to explore or or even just vent, um, my my channel is always open to you. So yeah, you all know, right, hit okay. me up anytime. All Thanks, right. JJ. All right, thank you. So thanks yeah. everyone for listening yeah. and watching. Uh, please follow Beer Cake with JJ Co on uh, social media, and it is now the podcast is now streaming on most uh, streaming services, so you can find this podcast. And um, and right now I'm on a campaign to get at least. 100 subscribers on my youtube channel so nice. that i could get a unique url because right now it's just gobbledygook <laughs> um yeah youtube requires you have to have at least 100 subscribers before you nice. can, like personalize it so so yeah so please find me and subscribe yes right? please do yeah thanks everyone thanks again <laughs> <laughs>